Hello and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. This is Pastor Tito Sotolongo, your podcast pastor. Now this is uh, for many of you, probably week two of quarantine. Uh, I wonder how I hope you guys are doing well. Pray you're doing well, keeping safe, uh, learning a lot of new habits. I know for me, I did not realize how much I touched my face until I'm purposely trying not to. And I honestly think that the desire of not to want to touch my face is making my face even itchier. It's ridiculous. But guys, uh, I know with, with this, it's, uh, every, every week, every day seems like there's a new twist, a new turn. And honestly, the, the message that I brought this Sunday, this past Sunday, I felt like it's right on point. It's like, what do we do when we don't have enough of what matters most? And so let's just dive right in so you can see what I was talking about. Guys, I'm going to ask you a question to get started today. When, before I read anything here, look, have you had enough of this yet? All right. Have you had enough? Have you had enough of the, I, I know some of y'all, look, some of y'all introverts, look, I feel it. I'm, I'm with you. Y'all probably loving the alone time. You're loving the, the, you know, not having to see certain people every day at work or your boss. I'm pretty sure some of y'all are loving this remote stuff. I know some of y'all, some of you students that are watching me right now, you're liking, I know you've told me, you're enjoying sleeping in every day and still getting your homework done, right, and being done early and getting to do it all in your pajamas. I get that, all right? Please still take a shower, all right? Look, middle schoolers, still take a shower. But... I know y'all, some of y'all are like loving this, but I know some of you, though, have had enough of having to only see people virtually like this, right? I know some of y'all had enough, ladies, fellas, some of y'all had enough of cooking, right? All right, you've had enough. You've probably, you know, this is probably the most that you've ever spent time with your family, right? Which is awesome. I know it's a blessing, but I'm pretty sure some of you have had enough of that, too. I get it. All right, I get it. Me, too, right? We've all had enough of this. But let me ask you another question before I move on to this next thing, all right? Not just have you had enough. Do you have enough? Do you have enough? And I'm not talking about food. I'm not talking about toiletries. I'm not talking about do you have enough of that. Even though we do want to say this, that if you know of somebody who is in need, look, we, we want to be able to be there and connect whoever, right, to make a difference. And so if you know somebody who is in need, you have a neighbor that you can't meet their needs, or if there's a congregational member here, look, you can always still contact us. Our phone number is on our website, tabernacleofgod.church. You can also there explore, and there's an area where you can give prayer requests. You can contact us, right? That's all right there. And so, yes, it does matter to us if you have enough. I know some of y'all are really sweating right now because maybe you don't have enough money in the bank to do certain things, right, or to buy certain stuff, or you just can't find what you need. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about, though. What I'm going to ask you is, do you have enough patience for the times we're living in? Do you have strength to be able to get up one more day and keep going? That's what I'm talking about. Do you have enough of what matters most? All right. Look, when we don't have enough of something, what do we do? We go and buy it, right? Like, look, some of y'all, I've seen some interesting characters over the last, I don't know, 10 days going to buying and shopping stuff. All right? it's, it's, it's been fun. It's been, actually, shopping has been more entertaining than anything else. It's kind of like a super reality show. I get it. But when we don't have enough of something, what do we do? We go buy it. Right? We go buy what we don't have enough of. Why? So that we can get by. Right? I, let me just buy enough of this just so I can, you know, please look at the expiration dates. Don't buy 20, 20 million gallons of milk and it expires in two days. All right? Please don't do that. All right? You know, if, if you don't have enough of something, we go buy it. Why? So that we can get 
buy. But here's the thing, though. Jesus bought something for us, not just so we can get by. He bought something for us that only he could buy. He's the only one that has access to it. We can't get it without his help. But here's what's so awesome about what Jesus bought for us. All right. We don't use it. And he doesn't he didn't buy it for us just so we can get by. He bought it for us so life can get better. And this thing, when we have what he bought for us, not only does life get better, we get better at life even when life doesn't. We get better at life. We get better at responding to the things in life, even when life doesn't get better. All right, look, there's no amount of toilet paper that can make that happen. All right, I'm just saying. All right, toilet paper is important, but that doesn't, that nothing can do and duplicate what Jesus has for us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's the one thing that I feel like, do you have enough of this? This is the one thing that we need enough of because there's not enough stuff that can compare to this. And so we're going to read a key text for today is in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. I'm going to read it with you. We're going to put it on the screen so you guys can see it as well. 2 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read verse 9 and 10. Prior to this, let me just read it to you. He says, my grace, this is God talking to Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. So then Paul replies back to God in prayer and says, well, therefore, since God told me that, therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, listen, hardships, persecution, difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. Now, just so pre what because this is God answering Paul's prayer and what was Paul's prayer well let me tell you all right Paul's prayer was he had this issue he had this in fact he says there was a messenger from Satan this demon what we don't know what it was that was sent to Paul and Paul we don't know what it was maybe it was a temptation that was in you know encouraging Paul to do something now and to be a kind of way we don't know what it is Paul never explains it it could be this present, literally a present voice tempting him, discouraging him. I don't know. It could also have been his past. His past that, you know, demons sent to remind him of all the mistakes he's ever made and all of the problems he's ever had. Look, look who you are. Look what you've done. You're still the same. You have, nothing has changed. We don't know what it is. All we know is that Paul prayed to God three times and said, God, can you just, I mean, shut this guy up. Get, get him out of here. Can you take him away? It's like a thorn in my side, a splinter, you know, all that's annoying. Can you get him out? God told him, no. 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 He says, I'm not going to do that. And like, Yo, why? That sounds really messed up with God. But then that's when God says, listen, no, no. You can't see. If, if all I did was took your problems away for you, if all I did was make life easy for you, if that was it and there was no resistance, you wouldn't grow. You, you wouldn't experience, you wouldn't, you know, you, you would not grow, you would not get stronger. I mean, some of us know we have gone through things that we wish, we wish we didn't have, we wish we wouldn't have gone through. But let's be honest, you know that, wow, you know what, I wouldn't be the person I am today if I didn't go through that. I hate that that happened. But, I'm, but you know what, in the end, it kind of went better. For, I, I'm, I am better for it in the end. So that's what kind of God is trying to get him to say. Then Paul says, you know what? Okay, God, I'm not going to look at my problem as a problem. I'm going to look at my problem as an opportunity to experience you in a way that I can never experience you before. And God was trying to say, listen, right now, don't, you don't want me to take away the problem. No, because the problem 
it gives you an opportunity to encounter me in a way that you've never done before. And I know some of us, we're going through difficulties right now. I feel it. Trust me, we are too. I am too. But you know what? This is a moment now that we have to lean in, to experience what it means when God says, look, my grace is sufficient for you. When you don't have enough, listen, I am enough. And this is an, a moment right now in history that I do not want you to miss out on. I'm trying, I'm trying to lean in a little bit more on this as well. And to learn, God, what does it mean to know that even when I'm weak, I'm strong in you, that my grace is sufficient, that your grace is sufficient for me. Now, if, we, if you want to learn that his grace is sufficient, look, we got to start with unpacking grace. Some of y'all don't know what that is. And so let me tell you what grace is, all right? And we're going to start with this first verse. We're going to look at Paul's experience with grace. And I'm going to read a different, no, wrong spot, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 and 8. If we're going to learn about grace and grace being sufficient, well, we're going to start right now with the favor of grace. What is grace? Well, let's break that down. Ready? Here is the favor of grace. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. We're going to put it on the screen so you can see it. He says, verse 4. Let me find my spot first. It says, but God. When we were prior to verse 4, he's saying, look, we were dead in our sins. We were lost. We were hopeless. But God. I love those two words. The, the cosmic interruption but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us he made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our trespasses in our sins and our faults all those things says you are saved by grace verse 80 says you are saved by grace through faith it is a gift from God it is God's gift to you look at that and so if you got to understand, for us to understand grace, you got to understand the favor of grace. All right? This is all that God has done for you without you realizing it, appreciating it, or even asking for it, okay? Here he is saying, look, you were dead. Like, I don't know the last time I saw a dead person make a request. All right? Feel me on that? I don't know when the last, when somebody was dead and said, yo, uh, can somebody do me a favor real quick? I, I need help. A dead person can't ask for help. It's too late. You're dead, all right? It's too late if that's the case. But here he's saying, but this is what God's favor is, that he did something for us when we couldn't even ask him to do anything for. And he did it, why? Because he said it because of his love. That love that we were singing about, that's what great he is because of his love. And so Paul, when he's saying if, for us to understand the favor of grace, we need to look at all that God has done, not what can we do. Because dead people can't do stuff. Not what we do. No, look at what God has done. And this is what I love about the favor of God, that God gives us his favor. He does stuff for us and doesn't expect us to return the favor. It wouldn't be favor in that case. All right? God expresses and gives us his favor without us having to, you know, pay back the favor, to owe him a favor. Look, some of y'all done this, right? Y'all can be honest. Some of y'all got to repent real quick. Be honest. Some of y'all have done things and did some, you know, just did help for help somebody only so you knew, all right, bro, I'm going to hold that against you, right? In a, in a month or so, y'all, I'm going to cash in on this favor, right? And so some of y'all, I know we've done it. Look, I've done it too. And some of you are probably so paranoid because you've had that friend. You've had that friend. I'm like, look, I can't ask him because if I ask him to help me, then he's going to be like, yo, hey, what you doing next week? I need help too. Like, Man, come on, leave me alone. I, I know some of y'all like that, right? We're, 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 we have that nature that... I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, right? Listen, we can't ap approach God like that. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. His favor, we can't return the favor for that. In fact, look, let me, let me show you. I, this watch right here, my parents gave me this watch. Uh, it was two years ago, 35th birthday. 
uh, they bought me a watch. And he was like, hey, hey, son, here you go. You haven't had a watch in a while. Wanted to buy you a watch. Happy birthday. I got the watch. I love the watch. Now, uh, my reaction would have been different if with that watch would have came an invoice. Could you imagine? And I'm like, all right, here's your watch. Like, oh, thank you. Hey, what's that paper? Oh, it's an invoice, by the way. Uh, look, you can pay me back. You know, I know where you live. Okay, you're my kid. Uh, I know where you live. You know, just we'll come up with some installment plans, you know, $20 a, you know, $20 a month until it's paid off. You know, it's okay. It's all right. It's fine. You know, we good. We're family. Happy birthday, though. Okay, look, that's not a gift, right? If a gift comes with an invoice, that's not a gift because now you got to pay that back. That's not a gift. When Paul says the grace, you are saved by grace through faith, it is God's gift to you. God's gift doesn't come with an invoice. God's gift doesn't come with an invoice. It says, all right, I saved you. You owe me now. No, it doesn't happen like that. God's gift of grace doesn't come with an invoice. It comes with an invitation. It comes with an invitation to say, hey, Step into a brand new life in a relationship with me and through me. That's it. That's what the grace of God is. And that's why he says, my grace is sufficient for you. You don't have to pay me back, buddy. I got this. It's okay. My grace is enough to cover the bill. My grace is enough. I, through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his blood still declares today. My grace is enough. You don't got to do anything. It's all been done. That's the favor of grace sufficient for us. And so, all right, so now you got the favor of grace. What about the force of grace? Now we're going to look at 1 Corinthians. We, met, we read a minute ago 2 Corinthians. So Paul writes two different letters to the church in Corinth. And the first one we wrote a minute ago. We read this one. Second one, all right, I had, a, I had too much coffee, so my voice is dry. So if you hear me, <clears throat> don't start rebuking anything, okay? This is, I'm just dehydrated. Right? Anyways, so he goes, and here, we're looking at 1 Corinthians. Check out what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. We're going to put it on the screen so you can read it with us. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. Look what Paul says. I am the least, the least of all of the apostles. Okay, there were 12 apostles here, Peter, John, all those guys, right, that were there with Jesus up until the very end. All that still are. And Paul is saying, he's writing this in just a couple of, you know, decade or so, a little bit after. This is one of his first letters uh, in his early career as he's spreading the gospel. He, he writes, I am the least of all of the apostles. I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. Look, Paul, look, Corona, Rona had nothing on Paul, all right? He was shutting down churches left and right. This was different, okay? Rona had, could not, had nothing on Paul in this case. And so he says, I'm the least of all of the apostles because I persecuted the church. But, again, here's the but now. But my God, but the grace of my God, by the grace of my God, I am who I am. I am what I am. Uh, and it's, his grace towards me was not in vain. It was not wasted on someone like me. And because of his grace, check this out. On the contrary, though, I work harder than any of them. I love that. I mean, he's super humble, though, when he says this. Look, I'm the least of all the apostles, but I work harder than any of those 11 dudes. I work harder than anybody. But the grace of God, but notice he says it's the grace of God in me. It ain't me. Like, he ain't trying to be like, yo, I'm awesome. Check it out. Just step aside. You know, Peter, you don't know what you're doing. Let me, let me, you know, the boss is here. Let me show you. No. See, Paul is saying, man, this is the force of grace. The force of grace, when you receive the gift of grace, it has an impact on you. When you understand what the grace of God is, that, that he has done all this for you when you couldn't do anything in return. When he's done all this and you don't owe him anything, despite all that you have done. 
See, that's the force of grace now takes over because his love hits you. It overwhelms you. And what's amazing is, see, this is one of his first letters Paul writes. And what did he say? I am the least of all the apostles. Well, you know, later on, I don't have this up. We're not going to share it with you. Later on, a couple years later, he writes in the book of Ephesians. We read from that. We're going to, well, we read from that. No, we're going to read from that in a minute. No, we do. I'm sorry. He read to the book of Ephesians. He says, look, I'm the least of all the saints. And then one of his last letters he writes to 1 Timothy, he actually says, I'm the chief of all sinners. Like, Paul, what's going on, buddy? Are you okay? Do we need to talk? All right? It sounds like you need a counseling session. Because it looked like the more time went on, he started seeing himself less and less. He went from the least of the apostles to the least of every single Christian on earth to the chief of every single sinner. Like, Paul, what's wrong, bro? What's the deal with you? Are you okay? And here's the thing. Paul is not modeling the sense of, oh, I'm, I'm just dirt. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. He's not like self-harming or anything like that. Here's what's happened. This is what the force of grace does. The, the, the grace that he has experienced, the, the favor of God that he's experienced, shows him more and more, the more he experiences and walks in this grace, he is realizing, wow, look how worthy my God is. And wow, the more he realizes who God is, he sees God in a bigger way, he starts seeing himself in a smaller way. He starts to realize, I, 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 can't, I cannot contribute. Like, oh my gosh, like I really can't. And, and he starts to see just how amazing he is. And notice he says, I work hard. He's not working hard to pay God back. He said, it's the grace of God in me. That's what the force does. It comes to you, but then through you. That's what the grace of God does here his sense the worthiness of God is not leading him to a place of worthlessness that's not it his the worthiness of God is leading him to a place of worship where he is living his life out to this God because he is so grateful to this God because of all that his God has done and despite what he has done the more he lives he realizes how much of a sinner he actually he never realized he was and you know what? It's okay because he realizes how great his, even though he sees, wow, I'm a bigger sinner than I thought. Then he starts to realize, oh my gosh, God's love is greater than I could imagine. Oh my gosh. And, and that's so cool right now that we, can, we don't have to stress our faults, our past, our, our failures. We get to celebrate Jesus's victory. Like, I don't know if you're listening to me, if you're an athlete or whatnot. I, believe it or not, played basketball. Okay. I love flash. Uh, it's been a while though. So don't, please don't, no one challenge me right now. All right. I, I need some time to stretch, but it's different. Look, I used to play basketball in high school. And in my junior year, right, my junior year, we had the best basketball team that my school had and has ever had, all right? I can claim that. It's been a while, but still. All right, we had gone farther than any team had ever gone before in our school's history. We went almost all the way to the Elite Eight in the state final. And this was huge for a high school of 100 people. That's not bad, right? And so I was a junior. And that year, we won our very first district, the school's very first district championship versus our arch rival. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. It, it was one of the greatest games, sporting events I have ever witnessed virtually or physically. I mean, it was a tough-fought game. In the last 30 seconds, it was like three lead changes. I mean, it was so, the anxiety level was insane. And even at the very end, our team scored with less than 10 seconds left. The other team gets the ball, passes it to their second best shooter, who was just, I mean, killing it all game. He takes a shot from right past the half court. He was wide open. No one was guarding him. All right. He takes the shot. Buzzer hits. The ball hits the inside of the rim and pings out. 
Oh, wow. Like, I mean, every, the whole place blew up. Our team rushed the court. We're, we're dogpiling, celebrating, having fun. I mean, it was amazing. Later on, that same ball, that, that the game, you know, the game-winning ball, our whole team got to sign it. I got put my name, my signature on it. That ball still sits in the trophy case of our school, I think, all right? And it still sits there, and I would see it. That's my name. I, and there's my name on that plaque. I was a district champion. Here's the thing. I didn't play a minute in that game, all right? I didn't play a minute in that game. Not because I was horrible at all, all right? It wasn't. It was decent. Listen, our starting squad, our seniors, we were stacked with seniors, and they were really good. And so I didn't play in that championship game. I watched it from the sideline. But you know what? My name is still on that ball. My name is still on that plaque. I am considered a district champion because of, you know, because of that right there. Why? Because I was a part of the team. I did nothing to contribute. I didn't score a point. I didn't, you know, steal the ball. I didn't do nothing. But I still got attributed to that. Why? Because I was on the team who won. That's what the grace of God is for us. Like, listen, you and I, you and I, look, let's be honest. We, we haven't played the game of life well, okay? We haven't played the game of life well, and some of y'all are in a crazy slump. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Jesus went on the court, won it all on his own. And we all who through faith trust in him, he, his victory is now our victory. Our name isn't written on a, on a ball. Our name now is written in the book of life. Not because of anything we did or how we live our life, but because of what Jesus did. Because he gave his life. He gave his life for us despite how poorly we played the game of life. We can say, that we are champions, that we are victors, that we won, that we are forgiven because of what Jesus has given us. You feeling me? That's the force of grace when you realize that. You don't look at your past and be like, oh, I'm so, no. No, you get to celebrate who you are. Paul said right here, I, because of the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not where I want to be. But where I am is because of my God, because of what he's done for me, despite what I've done. And he is enjoying that, living that. And I want you to get to that place as well. And so, okay, that's the, that's the favor of grace. That's the force of grace. But here's, now where do we get this grace? All right, here's the fountain of grace. You ready? Now, Paul didn't write this, but we're gonna, this is going to be the last scripture we're going to read today. All right. Last scripture we're going to read. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Check out the fountain of grace. Where's the source? Ready? Where is it? 4, 16. Therefore... Let us approach the, check these words out, man, the throne of what? The throne of grace. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Listen, the whole therefore, okay, we can't read the whole thing, but all he's talking about is uh, Jesus, what Jesus did for us. And because Jesus did this, because when you see a therefore, it's very important to read what happened before the therefore. So you can kind of catch the feel when you're reading the Bible. All right. And so here he is saying, because of all that Jesus has done for us, therefore, we can go and approach the throne of God, the throne of grace. And there, oh, by the way, boldly, meaning we don't got to be afraid and just kind of cower on like, Yo, what's God going to say to me today? You know, I, I didn't have the best morning. I didn't have the best attitude. And I was like, I, I, I kind of went off on so-and-so. You know, like, you know what, what is God going to say to me now? Or is, is God going to be different this time? Or is, is, what, is his opinion of me changed? Mm -mm. Boldly. 
We can go knowing that God, Jesus, experienced our same weaknesses yet triumphed, didn't flinch at all. And we can go to him saying, he knows. Listen, God knows you. He knows your faults. He knows how wicked you are. He knows, he knows, uh, he actually knows you are more wicked than you even realize or give yourself credit for. Let's be honest, me too. And it's okay. He says, no, man, you can come here. And look what we have at the throne of God. Ready? You saw that? Mercy and grace. Mercy and grace always come together. Paul said it in Ephesians. Here it comes again. Mercy and grace comes together. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. We can go to the throne of God and believe in faith that God, because of his great love, he is not going to give us what we deserve, which is punishment, which is the weight of our sins and all these things. No, we can find mercy. And you know what mercy is for? Yesterday, okay? We have, God gives us mercy for the past and it buries the past. And then here comes grace. If mercy is not getting what we deserve, grace is getting what we don't deserve. We have mercy for yesterday. And then we have grace for today so that we can have hope for tomorrow. You, you feeling me on that, please? I, look, I, look I, you, I know I can't hear you clap or say amen. You better smash that like button. Give me a heart or something on that one, all right? It just is, all right? Mercy for yesterday. Grace for today, all right? Hope for tomorrow. All of this is made possible. And I love his statement. Look, help at just in the time of need, another way of saying it is at just the right moment, when we need it or whenever we want to approach God. Look, we shouldn't just go to God when we got problems. Man, we should go to God all the time. But what I love about this reality here, guys, about the fountain of grace, how do we find this help? Well, because of Jesus, we have a passport to the presence of God. You catch that? We have a passport to the presence of God. We can go from earth. We can access heaven the throne. We can do all of this because of what the person who's sitting on the throne, because of what he's done. We can have access to all of this. We have a passport to his presence. Now, I know right now passports, you, you guys know how passports work, right? Passports give you permission to travel. Ain't nobody doing any kind of traveling right now, right? And so passports, they are given by an, an issuing, you know, a, they're issued by a government in order to say, okay, you are allowed to leave, you are allowed to return, you are allowed to come and go. That's what a passport does. Well, listen, when you are a son and daughter of God, made possible through the forgiveness of your sins, through faith in Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual passport into the presence of God. No matter what's happening, no matter the time of day, you got access to your God to find mercy for you. So when you mess up, when you mess up even royally two seconds ago, you can go to the throne in humbleness and forgiveness, and you can find mercy for the past and grace for the present so you can have hope and a bet, all the strength and all that you need for tomorrow. Again, this is God saying, look, my grace is enough for you, and I have enough. Come to the throne, everybody. He has enough for everybody. You, gotta, you don't got to worry about going to the throne like the grocery store and thinking, I need toilet paper, and it's Basio, empty, nothing, gone. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, the hose, I guess. I don't know. No, listen, dude, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about that at all. There is always enough grace and mercy for yesterday, today, tomorrow, all the time. His grace is enough and there's always enough. And because of Jesus, we have a passport to that presence. When, when he was saying earlier, my grace is enough, that's a, that word is, is a present tense statement. Even though Paul wrote that and God told him that over 2,000 years ago, that is, is still real. That is, is ongoing. God's grace is still enough for me and you today. It is. And when it says it is sufficient, means it's never going to end. There's always enough. 
And God says, it's mine. What's mine is now yours. Everything. And you know what the grace of God is, by the way, if I have to break that down even more? It's everything that you need but don't have. You have strength. You know, you, you have a willpower, but we all have limits, right? We all have limits to that. Well, God is saying, look, when you're weak, I can, I can lend you my strength. That's grace. When, when you need wisdom, when you, don't, you can't figure things out, well, let me lend you my, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you, oh, you ran out of peace really quick? Oh, I got plenty of peace for you. Oh, you ran out of hope? I got plenty of hope. Oh, you're fear and anxiety? I got something for that, right? I mean, that's God. He is willing to make up the difference where we fall short. He is enough. So what are we going to do with all this grace? What do we do with this grace that we have? Oh, that's the easy one. If you understand what grace is and the favor of it, the force of it, the fountain of it, it's easy to know what you're going to do with it. Ready? Give it away. You give that grace away. All right? Here's the thing. The grace of God, we, okay, the grace of God is something we get. Okay? You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't achieve it. We were singing that a minute ago. Okay? You can't buy or, or obtain it any other way. It's some, something you receive. The grace of God is something you get. But here it is. You get to give. Okay? It is something that comes to you, but it's meant to go through you. The grace of God is something you get to give. And because his grace is sufficient, by you giving it away doesn't mean now you have less of God's grace. In fact, this is the crazy part. It works the other way. The more you operate in the grace of God, the more you have of it. The more you lean in on, the more you operate it. It's, it's amazing. The more you live it, the more you give it away. The more you have, the more you experience. And so if God, if God has forgiven you, because he's forgiven you, now you have the grace to forgive others. You feeling me on that? Because he's forgiven you, and you've accepted that forgiveness. Now the, you have, by the grace of God, you can forgive that one person who's no longer in your life, but they are still impacting and influencing your life. You can forgive that person and walk away. You have the ability, because if God, the, the grace of God towards you, you can walk past your past and not have to live in it anymore. Because of the grace of God to you, all right? He was generous to you. He was generous to us. And then we are called to be generous to others. In the way that he has loved us by his grace, we are called to love others through his grace, not ours. Paul said it. Look, I'm working hard, but it ain't me. It's the grace of God. It's God working in me, man. It's him. I'm giving him all the credit. I'm just learning how to get out the way. That's all of us is really learning how to get out the way and come into agreement with what God is doing. That's what the grace of God is meant. It is meant for us to get and to give. It, me, it impacts our needs and influences our neighbors. That's what it's meant to be. Now, I want to share a story with you because, see, here in America, we've had plenty of examples of and histories and moments of how to deal with disease and pandemics that have gone out of control. And there's one that happened in 1793 in Philadelphia, right early in American history, all right? There's a yellow fever went throughout all of Philadelphia. It killed 10% of the population in three months. I mean, that was insane. It was, doctors didn't know how to treat it. No one knew what it was. And literally the doctors, all, they all fled. They all left the city. They abandoned the sick to die because they didn't know what to do. And they were afraid of getting sick. This was something that, I mean, the technology and the, you can't blame them. I, I get why they did that. But there was one doctor who didn't run away. He ran towards the fire. And he was Dr. Benjamin Rush. He was one of the key founders of American history. Benjamin Rush, not Benjamin Franklin, Diff and Ben, okay? Benjamin Rush 
actually was considered the leading physician of his time. And he was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, top three most influential founding father, all right? You don't, just don't sleep on this guy. He was actually by the, the one who came up with the Sunday school movement in America. All right, Ben. All right, good old Ben. Ben Rush, all right, he goes and says, no, something compels me to not abandon these people in their sickness. It's my faith. But he didn't go alone. He actually had Absalom Jones, uh, let me say it better, uh, Bishop no, Reverend Absalom Jones and the Bishop Richard Allen go with him. Two preachers went with Benjamin Rush to go serve the sick. Uh, fun fact, those other two uh, bishops and uh, reverends, yeah, they were black. Benjamin Rush was white. He was uh, an abolitionist, early abolitionist in the 1700s. So here is black and white working together side by side, loving and serving sick people. Why? Because you know what? They had different baby mamas, but it didn't matter. They had the same father, right? They had different baby mamas. They had the same spiritual father, which was God. And they went and, and they, you know, they weren't super successful, but their efforts were heroic. And here we actually have, uh, I'm going to read a quote. We're going to put it on the screen. This is Absalom Jones and Richard Allen talking about this event back. And why did they do this? Why did they go in a time? Why did they do that? Well, let me just, let me let them talk. Ready? Consider my brethren. That all we have and are is entrusted to us by Almighty God. And to him we must give an account at the great day of reckoning. Our blessed Lord has not committed his goods to us. You can replace that with even grace to us. As dead sock to be hoarded up or to lie unprofitably in our own hands. He expects that we shall put them out to proper and beneficial uses and raise them to an advanced value. By doing good with them as often as we have opportunity. The Lord was pleased to strengthen us. Look at this, the same thing like Paul was saying. I'm weak, but I'm strong in Christ. The Lord was pleased to strengthen us. He removed all fear from us and disposed our hearts. Oh, I love this right here. To be as useful as possible. Listen, that is what the grace of God is for. Not to hoard up and to keep just for you. The grace of God is meant so that you can be as useful as possible. I'm not saying you got to do everything, but in Christ, you can do something. You can do something right now here in this historic moment. Listen, I want us, if you're, you're listening to me and you're a part of our church, listen, this is not a situation or a circumstance that we are saying, you know what, church, let's just wait out the storm. It'll get better. We'll see each other soon enough. Let's just kind of deal with the difficulties until then. Be comfortable, right? Until, no, no, no. Okay, now is not a time, now is not a time to wait out the storm. Now is the time to brave the storm, to be like these three founding heroes, these faith heroes that we have, to rush in and say, okay, Lord, how can I be of use today? You have been so good to me. How can I be of good use? How can I be as useful as possible? How can I do good and be good to whoever? Because listen, now is the time to be creative, right? Guys, think creatively. You know, have you imagined if you're stuck at home, then well, how can God use me? I want you to ask that question with your family this week. How can we be useful this week? Have you considered going around your neighborhood on a prayer walk and praying for your neighbors? You know, at least not out loud or if you want to, but have you considered going through a prayer walk around your neighborhood? That's being of good use. 
You know, uh, could you have you considered doing uh, driveway di- uh, driveway dinners? Me and my family did that with our neighbors. Yo, Jim and Bree, Keith, I mean, hopefully y'all watching, right? And so I love you guys. We had we had dinner in our driveways with our neighbors outside, and we just spent time with each other and just had that encourage one another. We were there for each other. Those are those little things we're called to do. You know, could you consider writing text messages, writing letters? I don't know, but ask yourself, Lord, how can I be useful today? Because of all that you have given me, I am so grateful I want to be useful. Now is not the time to wait out the storm. Listen, now is the time to brave the storm, to be creative and to say, Lord, I want to be of use. I want to be useful today. I mean, right now, because of this, a lot of social distancing, right? But listen, we're not limited, though. The gospel is not limited. Physical separation might slow the spread of COVID-19, but our spiritual connection will spread what will stop the fear and worry and anxiety that we're seeing right now. It's our connection to our Father, to the throne of grace, and our spiritual connection to Him that He will allow us to be as useful as possible. Listen, guys, we need God. You and I, me too, we need God now more than ever. But you know what? God needs something from you. And I'm going to read to end a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Here's what he needs from you. Ready? Let's read it up together. Spurgeon says this, God doesn't need your strength. God doesn't need your strength. He has more than enough power of his own. He asks for your weakness. Listen to this next statement. He has none of that himself. And he is longing, therefore, to take your weakness and to use it as the instrument in his own mighty hand. Will you not yield your weakness to him and receive his strength? That's my question to you now. Are you willing to experience the sufficiency of God when God says, look, I am enough for you? And if you want to experience God as sufficient, here's the thing. You need to surrender. You need to remember. Remember who he is and who you are in him. You need to repent of any time that you have doubted that God is enough, doubted in his truth, or failed to access all that God has given us on the throne. And not as a sense of guilt, but of gratitude. You lean in because when you remember who God is and that his grace is for you, and when you then repent of either misusing it or not using it, then God will renew your strength. He will renew you. He will renew your perspective despite the problems. And now you can be able to say, man, I might be weak. I got limits, but in God, I am strong. I might be weak, but in, with God, I am strong. I might not be enough, but you can, stay, you can say this with all hope and certainty. I am not enough, but I have enough because I have faith in the one who is enough. See that? I have enough because I have placed my faith in the one who is enough. That's how the grace of God helps you to get better at life. You, you get better at responding to the craziness and the ups and downs. The grace of God helps you to get better at life even when life doesn't get better because you are connected better to the source of all life. And when that gets through to you, you're going to learn that there is nothing that you can't get through. We need to learn that statement right there. We need to learn how can the grace of God be enough? How can God's grace fill in all of the gaps that we have so that we can not just get through this time, but make a difference in a major, major way? You know, and, and that's my prayer right now. And that, that's my prayer for my family. It's my prayer for myself and my church and for you. 
You know, Paul actually in the book of Ephesians talks about, he says, man, I pray that you may understand the hope to which you have been called, that you may understand the glorious riches in the saints and the immeasurable greatness of the power of God that is in you in Christ. That right there, immeasurable. Because the grace of God isn't just sufficient, it is limitless. And it is something that we need to, right now, we got a lot of extra time, right? So let's just die, let's keep on going and let's pursuing and let's see, man, what does it mean that his grace is sufficient, that it is limitless? Right, and that's what it means to be a revolutionary, honestly. A revolutionary, a Christian revolutionary is someone that there's no end to it. You just can't be it, and that's it. It is You're in a constant state of becoming. So let's just continue to be revolutionaries and continue to revolve our entire life around God, leaning on the all-sufficiency grace of God. And when we do that, we're going to shine a light in the darkness, and when we tell the story, of the times that we're living in, we're going to tell an amazing story of God's provision and grace. So God bless you guys. We'll see you next week as we continue the series and wrap up this current series that we're on before Easter Sunday. God bless you.